give you glory. We give you praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for praying. You can be seated. Again, I'm so happy to see every one of you here today. And uh, thankful for our Crusader camp. I heard a couple of good reports. A couple of kids received the Holy Ghost at Crusader camp. That's exciting. Uh, this lesson that we're teaching, in fact, probably I'll go ahead and hand these out. Uh, a couple of you gentlemen would help me. I've got some, some. This lesson today was actually supposed to have been taught on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday was last Sunday. And originally, the way we had planned all this and scheduled all this out, Brother Good was going to teach this lesson last week. Abriana was going to be teaching this week. But because of schedules, Things flip-flopped, and then circumstances happened, and so here we are today. I'm teaching about Pentecost Sunday after Pentecost, which is okay because Pentecost is good anytime, and we believe in the Holy Ghost not just on one day a year. We believe in the Holy Ghost all the time. Okay. Amen. So I want to read this verse here, Jeremiah 31, 33, and it, you have it there on your sheet, and uh can follow along with me here just to get on, get into this lesson about handwriting on the heart. And it says here in this verse, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Now notice there he said, I'm going to put the law in our in their inward parts, or that means your mind, and write it in their hearts. It's going to be in their heart. It'll be their God, and they shall be my people. In, in October of 2003, at that point, we were still living in Oklahoma City, and I walked into the church where my little desk was at the church in Oklahoma City, and there was a note on my desk from my pastor, Brother Parker, and it said, see me about October the 19th. And um, this was earlier in the month of October. And so he wasn't there at the time. So I saw the note, and immediately my mind began to work, October 19th. I knew it was a Sunday, and wonder what he wanted, wonder what my pastor wants, <laughs> wonder what Brother Parker wants about. And we had a youth retreat planned, the 17th, 18th, and 19th, it was fall break. My wife and I were taking a group of young people on a youth retreat. And so my mind's thinking, what does Brother Parker want? What does he want? And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is just the thought process I had. Maybe, maybe Brother Parker, I think I was supposed to preach that Sunday. Maybe Brother Parker's going to give me the Sunday off because I'm coming back from youth retreat, and I won't, he'll just say, don't worry about preaching. But when I finally caught up with Brother Parker, there in the church a day or two later, I said, hey, I got your note. What, what did you, what, what, do you what, did, what am I supposed to do? And he said, Brother Martin needs somebody to go to Shakota and preach on that Sunday. I said, okay. And uh, it was, Shakota didn't have a pastor at that point. And so uh, we came, we did our youth retreat. We came home on Saturday the 18th, and we unloaded, and I, if I remember right, we 
we packed back up, we packed some clothes, and we drove and we stayed at this hotel down here across from Flying J on that Saturday night. And on October the 18th, we got up, came to church Sunday morning, uh, the 19th, and I preached. And after service, I was just coming to preach. And so after service, um, Sister Cox, Sister Donda Cox, and mo most of you know Sister Cox and Lou Hay, she came up to me and she said, Brother Martin said it would be okay if we asked you some questions. I was just there to preach. And so when Sister Cox said that, I, I, I said, okay. And so I think my wife, my kids were with me, my wife, and we sat down and she just asked a couple of questions, nothing difficult. And uh, they took us, Brother and Sister Cox took us to eat. We ate at Pizza Hut probably. And uh, I went down to my grandparents' place. They lived down at Enterprise at the time. Spent the afternoon down there. I came back, preached Sunday night, and we went home. Well, to try to condense this down, they thought I was coming to try out for the church, the pastor of the church. And I didn't know that at the beginning. I was just coming because my pastor said, Brother Martin needs you to go preach at your place. So when I came, it was with the idea, I'm just coming to be a blessing, to encourage the saints, to do whatever I can in this service. But through the transition of the next few days, the next few weeks, um, we realized what was going on. And so we decided, we prayed, we decided that we would see where the Lord would direct us. So on November the 10th, 2003, church had an election. There was a couple other families that came through. The church had an election. Sister Melody could probably tell you a little bit more about the details of all that. But on my birthday, my 33rd birthday, 2003, Brother Martin called and said, Brother Hanson, church has elected your pastor. So things begin to change, and we begin to make preparations to move down to Shakota. And we put our house on the market. Within a day or two, we had a couple of offers. The house sold um, December twenty second, 2003. We closed on it to sell our house. Up until that time, we were kind of commuting between Oklahoma City and Shakota, coming down on Wednesdays and Sundays and preaching. And we finally got moved in that parsonage. But I want to tell you what happened, though, is that during that transition, the Lord began to change our hearts. The Lord began to work on us. And what started out as just an assignment, doing what my pastor asked me to do, what started out as just, well, I'm, I'm going to fill the pulpit and do my best to preach for a church, the Lord began to put in our heart a love for the church, love for the people, love for the city. And I'm going to tell you that whenever it gets in your heart, it's a lot different than when it's just, you're just fulfilling a task or you're doing an obligation. When God puts a love in your heart, a desire, a burden, um, it, it changes everything. And, you know, and I thank God for that. And, and we love our church. We love our church family. And it's, it's just different than when it's just up here when it gets into here. And that's what this, this lesson is about. It's, it's about how God can take his word and it become more than just words on the page, but it actually can become a part of our hearts. 
And I want you to know that everything changes when this book gets in our hearts. It just, it changes everything. Amen. It's like the old song we sing, you know, falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I've ever done. You know, living for God, going to church, fulfilling tasks. It can be a drudgery if you don't love the Lord. I mean, it can be, oh, no, not again. Here we go again. And what needs to happen when we have that attitude is we need to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and let the Lord fill our hearts with this. And so this is this is this is what this lesson is about. It's about the Lord prophesies through this man, Jeremiah, that he's going to put his law in our minds and in our hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. There'll be a relationship. And so Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, when we think of Pentecost, we usually think of the day of Pentecost. We're Pentecostals. And we've heard it preached, we've heard it taught. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Uh, that's usually what we typically think about. But Pentecost, it was actually a holiday. Pentecost, or more appropriately, it was a, it was a holy day. It was a holy day on the Jewish calendar. And just like, you know, just like we celebrate Easter and we celebrate Christmas, and those are significant days on our calendar, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just like those are important days on our calendar, Pentecost was important to them. Pentecost was a special day. In fact, the Jews, they had, they had several holidays, they had seven main holidays on their calendar. But within those seven holidays, they had three very important ones, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And those were the three days that all of the men came back to Jerusalem in, in later times in Israel. They all came back to Jerusalem, and they celebrated. Pentecost was important. That's why when we read in the book of Acts chapter 2, that's why there's so many people in Jerusalem for Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out, because it was a primary holiday. But it was, it was a special day, and just like we, we use Christmas and we use Easter to remember the resurrection, or we, we use it to remember the birth, Pentecost served a very specific purpose to the Jews every year. And what it was, was that, number one, it was to celebrate the harvest that God had given them. They were saying, thank you, Lord, you have provided for us. But it was also to commemorate the giving of the law, which when the Lord gave the law, he gave it to Moses on Mount Sinai. So every year, here's what it was, every year when Pentecost would come around, they were saying, thank you, Lord, you have provided for us. If you read in the Old Testament, sometimes it's called the Feast of Weeks or the, the Feast of First Fruits. That was all the same referring to Pentecost. But they were saying, thank you, Lord, that you have given us. And so they would take the first fruits, and they would return it to the Lord. They would bring that back to the Lord. That was their tithe. They would give it back. They'd say, hey, Lord, you have provided for us, and they would give back to God. And so that was the first part. But the other part was that they were commemorating the giving of the law to Moses. And so whenever, whenever we today, we start thinking back, we think back of what God has done for us. We remember the blessings of the Lord, and we worship the Lord. Uh, we start thinking about, and I want to just, just stop here for a minute. When, when people stop to think about what God has done for them, it changes their heart. Praise the Lord. 
See, because life is filled with issues, life is filled with problems, but our focus is not our problems. Amen. Our focus is on, what. look what God has done. Thank the Lord for His blessings. He's poured out His blessings, so we... <clears throat> And it changes the atmosphere of our heart. That's what these holidays were about for the Jews, is remembering what God had done for them. So Pinta, what, let me just ask you, what does Pinta mean? Say it again. It means 50. Pinta means 50. So we have this holiday called Pentecost. Pinta meaning 50 days after Passover. Passover, we usually celebrate that right around Easter time. So 50 days after Passover, the Jews were celebrating this deal called Pentecost. And Passover, they celebrated God delivering them out of Egypt. It was a celebration. Hey, God has delivered us from our slavery. And they remembered what God had done for them. Um, but when you get to Pentecost, it was commemorating these other things that we've already said, we've already talked about. But it was an exercise. It was a remembrance. And I think it's important that people be thankful. Amen. I think it's important that we are thankful. The Bible says, in everything, what? In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. You know what I thought when I was preparing this? I thought, you know, the next time something difficult, something hard happens, it'd probably be good for me to stop and give thanks. The next time a hard situation arises and I'm faced with a challenge, it would probably be good for, for me just to stop. Okay, Lord, thank you for this problem. And it doesn't make sense on the surface. It really doesn't, it doesn't make sense why we would give thanks for a problem. But the Bible lets us know in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God. And it changes. We ought to try it. It changes the atmosphere of our heart. If we learn to give thanks in situations, and trials, and tests. And so Pentecost was a time that, that the Lord chose for these events to take place, to celebrate the harvest and the giving of the law to Moses. Praise the Lord. So we ought to celebrate God's provision. We ought to celebrate his principles, his giving, the, the harvest that the Lord gives. Um and also the principles, the word of the Lord. Amen. So we celebrate those things. You say, well, okay, how do we celebrate? How do we celebrate? How do we celebrate God's provision in our life? Now think with me here for a minute. This is, we'll, just, we'll just take a second here. How do, we, how do we celebrate God's provision? We don't live in the Old Testament whenever... You know, in the Old Testament, they lived in an agricultural society. And they had crops. And when the crops abounded, whenever they had those crops, they brought, they brought, they returned a first fruits to the Lord. So how does that apply to us today? How do we celebrate how do we celebrate God's provision? Since we don't live in an agricultural society, but we get paychecks today. Right? So how do I celebrate that? I return to the Lord what God has given to me. I tithe. I say, thank you, Lord, for a paycheck. I don't take it and I put it in my pocket and hoard. I say, God, you have provided for me, for my family. 
And so I return that. That that is how we celebrate. That's how we remember the the blessings of the Lord. We return our tithe to the Lord. Amen. How do we celebrate God's word? How do we celebrate God's word? It's by what we're doing here today. It's by coming to the house of the Lord and hearing his word. And it's it's getting up in the morning and opening our Bibles and, and reading our Bibles. I think everybody, I think everybody ought to get up every morning and read their Bible. I think people ought to maybe maybe not at five o'clock, it might be ten o'clock, or it might be maybe maybe I should say it this way. I think every day people ought to read their Bible. They ought to read something in the scripture. Celebrating God's provision. Celebrating the principles of the word of the Lord. We're missing out on a blessing if we don't spend time in God's word every day. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We, we come to church. We, we're encouraged. We're edified by preaching and teaching. We celebrate his provision. We celebrate his word. We give. We come to church. Praise the Lord. So take time to celebrate. So let me let me let me move on to number two here. I talk about this old covenant because the old covenant was the law. When when I say the old covenant, we're talking about the law. And God gave Moses all of these thou shalt's and thou shalt nots. Six hundred and twelve, six hundred thirteen, depending on what list you look at. Thou shalt do this. Thou shalt not do this. And Observe this and eat this and don't do this. All of these commandments in the law were given. But here's the problem. Nobody could live up to the standard of the law. The only way that anybody could attempt to it was through their own flesh, through their own willpower, through their own intentions, through their own ability. They're, they're going to, and, and God's standard is way up here, and there's no way that people can reach his standard all the time. Um. There's the pull of our flesh, the pull of the world. It's, and you can read the stories in the scripture about people who, who there, there's a record of people who, who never lined up, who never reached the standard of God's law. But along comes Jeremiah. And we get his promise that there's a new covenant coming. In fact, um, Aubrey, if you'll help me, Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. All those days, saith the Lord, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God. They shall be my people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from that least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So here comes Jeremiah says, here's the old covenant that nobody could live up to. Nobody could reach the standard. Nobody can fulfill the law. But Jeremiah comes and says, there's a new covenant coming. 
And it's not just going to be on tables of stone. It's not just going to be written on a scroll. But God is going to take His Word and His law and He's going to put it in our hearts. Amen. So that's the new covenant. It's a, it's a better covenant. It's a better way. In fact, when you read the book of Hebrews, yeah, next time you read the book of Hebrews, notice how many times the word better is mentioned. And I put some in my notes here. This is what it says in the book of Hebrews in the, about this new way. There are better things to come. It's a better hope. It's a better testament. It's a better covenant. All these verses are in the book of Hebrews. Better promises. We're seeking a better country. It's a better resurrection. It's a better way. I'm thankful this morning I live in the New Testament times. I don't want to go back to the Old Testament times. I don't want to live under the law. I thank God for the Holy Ghost. I thank God I live in this dispensation or this era when God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. Amen. This is the better way. And so it says in that 33rd verse that we read, that after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. The New King James Version says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. So I want, I want to just, just talk about this for a second here. God's going to put his law in our minds, he said, in our inward parts. And I think this is so important that to, to be victorious, to be an overcomer, our minds have to change. We have to change the way that we think. The reason people consistently lose battles in life is because they keep thinking the same way. But somewhere along the line, we have to change our thought patterns. We have to change the way we think about things. And so, when we fill our minds with, with entertainment, we fill our minds with the garbage of the world, we watch movies and we fill our minds with things that are going on in, in the world, and our minds become corrupted with that. But, if we can fill our minds with the Word of God, we start thinking differently. This is the key to victory. This is the way we overcome. You know, people talk about struggling and, and battling things over and over. Oftentimes they're doing that because they're, they're caught in the same patterns and they're thinking the same thoughts. They have the same approach to things. But this is what the Bible means in Hebrew or Romans 12, 2. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so we have, instead of thinking like we're defeated, we need to think like we're victorious. Instead of thinking like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this battle, we need to start thinking like I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved us. So we change the way that we think. It's, it's, it's the key to overcoming and changing our thought patterns and our habits. God's, God wants to penetrate the minds and our, the thoughts of his people. This is why, this is why it's important that it's caref we have to be careful what we watch. Can I just be a pastor for a second? And I know we don't have a, a full house here today, but it is vital. It is so important that we are careful what we're listening to and feeding our thoughts and feeding our minds because it stirs up feelings, right? It stirs up desires. It stirs up anger. Sometimes people watch stuff or they read stuff, and it stirs up feelings of strife and, 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 and feelings that, that would not be there had they not been reading that or watching that. 
Sometimes people watch stuff and it stirs up feelings of, of inordinate affection, desire, because it's feeding their mind, it's feeding their, their thoughts. So we have to be so very, very careful what we're feeding our thoughts. It would be so much better to just pick up our phones and, and hit Bible Gateway and just let Scripture start playing in our minds. <laughs> Amen. And let the Word of God, you say, well, I, I'm not comprehending it. Even if you don't comprehend everything that's going through your mind. It's, it's so much better than playing, than playing country music. Amen. Because, you know, or rock music or, or garbage music, if, if that stuff's going through your car radio or coming through your Spotify or whatever, and you're listening to that, you're hearing messages about divorce. You're hearing messages about, about drinking. You're hearing messages about immorality and how he cheated on me or she cheated on me. You're hearing garbage. And, and people are foolish to think that that stuff does not affect the way that they feel. Music affects our mood, doesn't it? Very much our mood. And so if we're playing, if we're playing, uh, you know, that's why a lot of, I'm, I'm not even completing sentences here. But, you know, when people go work out at the gym, they play headbanger, metallic, metal music, whatever, because it, it, it makes them, makes them, uh, whatever, uh, what am I thinking? It makes them feel like, you want to teach? No, what I'm trying to, it affects us, but, and so we have to be careful. People sit down and watch some love movie or romantic movie. Oh, 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 my life is so sad. I don't have, I don't have a happy ending. Just turn that garbage off. You know, protect your minds. Don't fill, don't let that stuff fill your thoughts. It will affect you. Don't be deceived. And so, this is what the Bible says. Renew your thinking. Change the way you think. Turn that other stuff off. That's, you know, people criticize Pentecostal people for having standards in their life. You better have standards in your life. You better draw some lines because it's going to protect you. Protect your mind. So let God's word penetrate your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen to this. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know what, it's like, it's like taking hold of the reins and say, I'm not going to let my mind just have a free flow of thoughts. I think Peter said it this way, and I don't have the scripture in my notes, but Peter said it somewhere. He said to gird up the loins of your mind. Take control of your thoughts. Determine what you're going to, don't believe everything you think. And determine what you're going to dwell on, what you're going to think about. It'll change your life. I believe that. It will change a person's life if they will change the way that they think. And so we fill our minds with the Word of God. And then it says, the law written in our hearts or on our hearts. He said, I will write it in their hearts. And what this is speaking about is 
when you have an experience with God. I think people need to have an experience with God. I mean a heart experience. Some, you know, it's, it's like, here, here's the difference between just having a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. When you go to a restaurant and you pick up the menu, ooh, that, that cheeseburger looks good. Sister Hansen is a picture person. And so in a restaurant, if she picks up the menu and if the picture looks good, I want that, don't you? <laughs> you came to my class this morning. But she'll look at the picture, ooh, I want that. Or something, somebody will walk by, a waiter will walk by some, some nice dish entree. Ooh, that looks good. And she'll ask the waiter or waitress, what, what, what did they get? That's what I want. But it's, you know, you look at the menu, you read the description. Oh, it's a double cheeseburger with bacon and Swiss cheese and mushrooms and all these fancy toppings. Ooh, that's good, that's good. It's one thing to read it on the menu. But it's another thing when that waiter or waitress comes and, he, and they set it down on the table in front of you and you pick up that big old juicy hamburger. I kind of feel like Ronnie Jones up here. Y'all don't tell him I said that. He should have been here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I appreciate Brother Jones covering while we were gone. Appreciate him. But it's different than just reading it on a menu and taking a big old bite of it. That's the difference when, and just whenever, when you read God's word, you're reading the pages, you're reading the scriptures, and you, you experience the power of the Holy Ghost and the touch of God's presence in your life. And you have an experience with God, and He starts He starts changing your heart. He puts a love in your heart and your mind, and writing the words in your heart. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm thirty-four eight. So the new covenant, this new covenant, allows us to to step into the presence of the Lord to abide in the presence of the Lord. I think that's why it's important that when we come to church, we have a move of God. Amen. We don't come to church just to waste time. We need to have an experience with God. Folks, we need to have an experience with God this morning. We need God to pour out His Spirit in this sanctuary today. We're not here to abide time. We're not here just to look at each other. We're not here just to eat a baked potato. But we are here for a move of God. Amen. So we need to make room for the moving of God's Spirit. Allow Him to write His law on our hearts. God chose the day of Pentecost. After He ascended into heaven, as the time that He would pour out His Spirit on those that would follow Him, the believers, those that assembled in that upper room. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost, it was the fulfillment of many prophecies, including this one from Jeremiah. Acts chapter 2 records whenever God poured out His Spirit, and I think everybody here in this room is familiar with this passage of Scripture. Acts 2 and 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with all, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Y'all read the fourth verse with me. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. That was a supernatural thing. God did a supernatural thing when he poured out the Holy Ghost in that upper room. It was a God thing. Amen. As they began to speak in other tongues, they, they received the Holy Ghost. And to receive the Holy Ghost, people have to surrender to the Lord. To surrender, they have to surrender their minds, their emotions, and their bodies. Amen. And that's how God puts his law in our hearts. So God calls us, I'm in number three here, I'm wrapping up. But God calls us to live according to this new covenant. God calls us to live according to this new covenant. It's not just about, okay, well, I received the Holy Ghost 35 years ago or 50 years ago or 10 years ago. It's not just about a date on the calendar, but God has called us to walk in this, to live in this new covenant. Ezekiel 36 and 25 says this, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness, from all your idols, will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And notice this. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. See, that's relationship to walk in my statutes. Not just come to church and get an experience, but to walk, have a walk. I want to have a walk with God. That's relationship. Relationship is not one way. See, some people have this idea of church. They have this idea of God. Well, I'm just going to come and God's going to, God's going to bless my life and God's going to give me all this money and God's going to do all this stuff for me. And they never commit themselves to God. That's not relationship. Relationship is walking in His commandments, walking in His ways, walking in His statutes. And you talk to God, and He talks to you, and you have a relationship with Him. And the day you miss your prayer time, or you don't read the Scripture, you feel this emptiness or this void in your life, and you, you look forward to the time or the moment you get back to that prayer closet. That's relationship. It's just like when Sister Hans and I are apart for a few days. There's, there's, we miss that. We miss that conversation. There ought to be something missing when in our lives when we miss our prayer time. I believe that. I believe that we ought to be dedicated enough to the Lord that, that when we don't read His Word, there's, some, there's something stirring in us. And we're thinking, I'm off today. Things are not right. I, I, I know what it was. I, I didn't read. I didn't take time to let God feed my soul. I didn't take time to spend the, the time with the Lord. But the Holy Ghost is for us today. The Holy Ghost empowers us. Amen. This is it changes our lives. Let me let me wrap up here with one final passage of scripture. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Aubrey, if you'll help me here. Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now pay attention here. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Nobody could reach the, the uh, standard of the law. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
See, the only way we can attain the righteousness of the law is to walk in the Spirit. It's to let, let God empower us. It's like, it's like the difference of having, you know, you have a bad job, and you have a bad boss, and you have, you're working under bad circumstances. This happened to me several years ago. I was still at the bank. I got, they, they restructured things, and I got a new ma- uh, regional manager over me. I was down at Eufaula as the branch manager there, and they restructured things, and I got this new mid-level manager, and this regional manager, and I don't want to complain here, but this person, you had a hard time getting uh, getting a hold of them on the phone. They would not answer emails if you needed certain approvals. It was it was just it was just tiresome, and the person was not a great boss, and it was getting difficult to work there. And and I was I was getting to the point to where you know what I think I think it's time to change. And so I told my wife I said, kind of explained to her what was going on at, at work. And she goes, this is what she said. She goes, she said we're going to pray her out. Did I say her? I didn't mean to say her. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that boss out of there. And do you know that just within a few months, I don't remember the exact time frame, but we went through another restructure change. They reassigned branches to these regional managers, and I got a different regional manager. And things changed. Better, better, better communication. Things just worked. We needed approval for... You know, we had to have approval for certain dollar amounts or whatever. Things just were so. See, under the old covenant, it's like working under a bad boss. But we're under the new covenant now. God, this is better. I'm going to tell you, we've got it good right now. With the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, we can live in the spirit of the Lord. Amen. And so, God, fill me up. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, put that word in my heart. Amen. And I want to fall in love with him. My time's up. Why don't you stand with me one more time? And let's thank the Lord for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Raise your hands or however you pray. And let's praise the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. I pray, God, your blessing, your touch, oh God, would continue to guide us and lead us. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for the spirit of the Lord. Where there's, Lord, where that spirit is, there is liberty. There's victory, God, in you. And we worship you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're going to take a break for our worship service. You can fellowship for a few minutes. Take time to pray if you desire. Um, And then as the rest of the classes come in and join us, we'll get ready for our worship service. Have a great time in the Lord. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.